are a waste of time. <laughs> they take up too much time. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Employee of the Month. And on this episode, I spoke to some characters, character actors. What does it mean to be a polymath and go wide and be able to impersonate and embody so many different characters or go deep into them to the point that you don't even know who it is who's playing them? My first guest is Fred Armisen. You may recognize him from Forever, which is currently on Amazon with another Employee of the Month alumni, Maya Rudolph. Or you may recognize him from Saturday Night Live, where he's won a ton of Emmys, as well as Portlandia and his own special on Netflix, which is specifically for drummers. But they let the rest of us watch it, too. Enjoy my interview with Fred Armisen, which took place at Largo in Los Angeles. I was delighted to find this picture of you as a hipster. I believe this is a yeah. mohawk. Yeah, I was a, a punk. Well, punk I, rock. I still feel like I am always a punk. So, <laughs> so that part of me still uh, is very a very big part of, of who I am. I'm, I'm very proud to be a punk. And every city I go to, I always think about, like, what is the punk, what was the punk scene of this yeah. city? And so, um, yeah, I was... Very happy to have that little haircut. You were drumming, and then you decided to go into comedy. Yeah, yeah. I was very frustrated being in a band. You know, we kept touring and touring and kind of not getting as far as I, I wanted us to go. And yeah. I love playing the drums, and but it was just really everyone, all these other bands were getting famous. Just really just, first it was bands like Smashing Pumpkins and... And I was like, okay, well, they're more pop. I understand that. But then some really underground bands started getting really famous and successful. You felt like they were failing upwards. Yeah. It's more that I'm like, I, if we are challenging music, how come Tortoise and Jesus Lizard and all these bands are just, they're so huge. And so I was like, this is not working. So then I just, I think it was out of frustration. I just started doing more comedy stuff. So th- this was like they had an ad out for uh, tap dancing auditions. You have to watch the whole thing online because it's a it's a long thing. But that that one was incredible. The tap. Yeah, yeah, one. yeah. Hello there. My name is Fred. Uh, recently, I saw in the Chicago Reader uh, an ad for an open calls auditions. Um, it reads as follows: Attention, all tappers, funk and improv, a big plus. Open auditions for a national tap tour that starts in early September will be held Monday, July 12th from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. at Louis Conti Dance Studio. So uh, I'm going to give this a shot. I don't know how to tap dance at all. And uh, I need to get tap shoes, uh, a headshot, resume. I'm going to make all this stuff up. We'll see how far I get. Um, but how, how are your characters different now? Because it, d- it did feel very palpable to what you're doing now. Or similar. Yeah, yeah, same word. stuff, really. I, I haven't... Uh, Grown up. I, yeah, or I'm not, I, it's not... I'm not trying to do, like, a false modesty kind of thing, but I, my, it's been the same characters forever. Like, I've been just doing, like different accents and stuff and but so those characters seem to have like really launched you did you did you feel like oh yeah everything as soon as I started doing these videos my life changed very very quickly then I was doing it for you know I would uh, show these videos at clubs and stuff where my band used to play and it was insane it it, very very quickly things uh, I just kept on doing comedy do you ever experience rejection or I was just thinking of um, David Lynch, if you um, uh-huh. auditioned for him. I did. I did audition for that latest Twin Peaks. And did you know this? 
Oh, you knew this. Were you there or something? No. <laughs> I'll, I'll leave it. I won't answer. That way it'll feel sort of Twin Peaks. I love that show. Yeah, I love that. Incredible. This latest version of it. I've, I've always loved Twin Peaks and we had Kyle McLaughlin on Portlandia. And um, I auditioned for this latest one and all they did is they asked me, uh, I went out to the valley, like, what are your dreams? Do you dream? What are your dreams like? And my answer was I never dream, which I don't. I, I, or maybe when I was a kid I did, but I, not anymore. So sad. No, it's great. Dreams are a waste of time. <laughs> they take up too much time. You want to get through your sleep. You want to get into bed and just get up. And... It's, 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 it's too leisurely. I don't, I don't know if these videos are still available, but there was a time where David Lynch would like record himself telling you the weather in L.A. And it's like him every day. And he'd be like, he'd look out his window above his head and he'd be like, 75 degrees. Oh. And that was the end of the video. Oh, lo- he's great. He is I felt like you guys great. would have similar sens- sensibilities. I've never met him. I'd love to meet him. Well, Do maybe- you guys all know him? Have you met him? David Lynch. <laughs> but he, so he is the guy who made Twin Peaks. And his name is David. And- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so a rejection... Um, no, nothing is ever rejection because like, if you're not meant to do something, then you're, they're not doing you any favors by... You know, whatever you miss out on, you're not supposed to be able to do anyway. So you're able to not feel it. Oh, yeah. It's better for both parties if you're not right for something. I wish I didn't have feelings. <laughs> um, tell me about your, your new show coming out with Maya Rudolph, who's been on Employee of the Month and is a friend, and, and I, that's how you and I met. Well, I've, I've known Maya for a long time, worked with her very closely on a, SNL. Some might say you've known each other forever. Yeah. Oh, that's right. This is your, the new show that's coming out on Amazon, right? Yeah. Um, it's coming out on CNN. Dan Craig. And we've just known each other a long time. And then um, Natasha, my girlfriend, actually was like, why don't you do something with her? Why don't you just pitch a show and find a writer? So then uh, we found these writers, these people I've known for a while. They wrote this whole TV show, and I got to work with Maya. It was great. Because you're, you are a fabulous musician, I wanted to give you a chance to play for the audience. Would you be willing to do that since you don't always get a chance to play? Sure. There was a couple things I was going to do. I couldn't, because so, you know, we're supposed to do a hidden talent. And I thought, like, I've been learning the bass from YouTube. I love the bass. So it's really strange to, like, learn. YouTube is so utopian. They, for no reason, people yeah. will show you a song. They're not getting paid. So you're like, thank you for doing this. But the, like, I learned how to um, fix a tire. Yeah. It's, and I was like, thank you, whoever you are. For they're not making this. money. They set up a camera. And it's just generosity and kindness. It's, yeah. it's really great. But then I had this other idea. So I could either play the bass a little bit or I'm working on something where I used to do accents from around the country. Right. I, 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 I pinpoint different accents. But I was like, I think I want to do something. It's going to take me a while. But I think I'm starting to do it where I could do the American accent from different decades, because the American accent oh, wow. has changed. So, and maybe senses of humor, too, and, and the way people deliver comedy. So uh, currently in the, um, you know, in the, two, uh, the like, the 20-teens 20, the 20 or whatever, you know, there is a little bit of vocal fry when people talk, and there is, that does happen even with guys. I feel like the early 2000s, I feel like the vibe, the, the way that Americans saw was a little bit like Bill Maher a little bit, like, I heard you the... First time. It's sort of <laughs> this. And 
And then the nine, the nineties, the nineties had a kind of yeah, a very ironic, very sar- purposefully sarcastic. I think we take it for granted now, but I think they discovered sarcasm. I, I so, that that was the birth of irony. Yeah, so they're very yeah. Wow, I guess the party's gonna go on forever. <laughs> and the eighties feels like there was so much begging going on. Please, all we need is two more. And we get, there was this kind of, uh, you know, I, I don't know why, but there's a lot of questions. A lot of questions. And, and the 70s, when I think of the 70s, I think of a, of a whisper. The 70s. <laughs> I, shall I come back tomorrow? Kind of whispering. Now, the 60s, I've been watching the Vietnam documentary, and oh, I feel like... The Ken Burns one? It's great. It's unbelievable. But when people, when, when people spoke in public... They all sounded very Midwestern. There were a lot of announcements, a lot of press conferences. That's what the 60s is to me. Not hippies. I actually picture the guys with glasses and stuff. Uh, and the 50s kind of is cool, kind of laid, laid back a little. I think cigarettes a little bit and kind of, it's kind of, it's, it's the most casual of all the decades, I think. 50s, not 60s. And the 40s, they, they did a thing with humor where they would talk in third person about the person in front of them. So they'll go, oh, look at her. Little Lady Fountainroy. Like, <laughs> the person, but speaking in third person. The 30s, yeah, so the 30s you start hearing a little bit of the, you know, because I feel like going back to England, the, the, you're losing the R. So the 30s you start hearing a little bit of the, you know, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got a good mind to... And the twenty and the twenties, it's it's almost British. Anyway, so that's I wanted to show that off. Can we give Fred an incredible round? You know, it's, let's let's stick to that. Because just doing the bass, I'm gonna get up, put on the bass. It's like you get it. You I, know, I play instruments, right? So. I feel like you're so ambidextrous as a performer, and I, I guess that some of those personalities maybe dream for you at night, or maybe it's because you're fulfilling your dreams during the day that you don't feel you have to. What a nice thing to say. Thank you. Um, well, it's a beautiful gift for us, and I wanted to give you a gift as well. I, I, I don't know if you know John Ronson. He was on the sh- Employee of the Month, okay. and you did such a good job of playing Robert Durst that I thought of the psychopath test. Oh, wow. Just in case. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and because of... Because of Portlandia, I am. Um, oh, I'm going to do something so. Oh, I've done Jewish it before. Mother, where, like, don't, I have to don't, take the price don't worry tag about off. that, yeah. But at the Park Slope Co op, I got you Mr. Ellie Pooh's elephant dung paper. Aww. So thank just you. as a, a testament to thank Portlandia. You very much. Thank and also you. as a notebook, because I really hope you never stop writing. It's been a, a real pleasure and privilege to have you uh, on Employee of the Month. It's been my pleasure. And some more rocking daughters. And, uh, thank you. I've always admired and even envied the actors who aren't necessarily a household name, but often much more talented than those who are. That's why I'm so delighted to bring you my interview with Anthony Atanamak. He is a veteran of Upright Citizens Brigade Theater and an actor's actor where everyone wants to work with him because he's so good at playing so many different characters and he is able to do these deep dives, so much so that when he plays Trump in The President's Show, which was spawned in major part from this extraordinarily fun live show that Anthony Atanamak did with another formidable actor, James Adomian. I'm going to stop yapping about how wonderful he is because you'll get to hear for yourself. 
thought it was fascinating that you grew up with a mom who acted, and I believe your dad was a musician. Is that correct or no? Yeah, I mean, by the time I grew up, this is I, we have a picture <gasps> oh of you, and God. you're gonna have to explain it. Oh, for well, the that's podcast how my, that's audience. my stepfather, uh, who I love equally or more so. Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so there I am, dressed, I guess, in some proto-Trump outfit. Um, <laughs> you have a very short red tie. So, yes, my stepfather, who's a doctor of anatomy and physiology at Tufts University, and my mother, who was an actress, I think her first job was in How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying in 1956, maybe, or 55. Wow. And she has all her journals from when she, she moved to New York at 17. And you asked her before you read them? Uh, no, she was reading them with me. I mean, okay. my mother's journals are like, like Aspergery. They're just like had food, went here, danced. It's a dancer's <laughs> journal. It's like I exercised, I danced, and then I went out drinking with jazz musicians. Um, so, uh, but it's interesting to see her. That's what she did. Um, her dates, because uh, I'm so narcissistic, I immediately looked up my birthday and was like, "Wow, this is what she was doing on my birthday ten years before I was born," and it was only interesting to me. But. Um, <laughs> But so my, mother, my father was in a band called C-Train, which was the first band produced by George Martin after the Beatles. Wow. And as you can tell, everyone knows what C-Train is, so it was a huge <laughs> success. And that was with Peter Rowan and uh, a couple other folks who I can't remember their names. And, um, and uh, so my dad was in San Fran playing. My mom was going back and forth, and he would come out to, to uh, Massachusetts. And then I appeared, and that changed the trajectory of Daddy's career. So then he left the band and worked at my uncle's paint shop. Wow. Uh, and then after a few years, you know, like the Billy Joel song, Brenda and, Ed, Brenda and Eddie could, you know, it had it already, whatever the line is, and they broke up. And so my parents divorced when I was six. Old Stephen was waiting in the wings, I think, in the running club, started, yeah. in the Cambridge Sports Union running club. Then they got together, and my dad, at f around my age when I got my show at about 41, started playing in little bars in western Massachusetts, and he built his career back up after getting an art degree, and then he ended up winning two Grammys with Emmylou Harris and the Nash hey. Ramblers. Who is my favorite of all time. And Alison Krauss. And in fact, I just talked to my dad today because he's on like this mini tour. He's 73, and I, he called me and was like, man, he's like, man. My dad sounds like Bill Clinton now, even though he's from fucking Toronto and lived in Boston. But he's lived in Nashville for 25 or 30 years now. So he has this fucking weird accent where he's like, man, A, it's pretty crazy. I parked the cat somewhere. It's like all <laughs> over the map. And uh, so... Uh, but he was like, man, I've been playing and uh, I've been having a great time, you know, be back out on the road. And I'm like, dad, take it, take, take it easy, you know. Um, <laughs> no. You brought up narcissism and I <laughs> yes. wanted to talk about the show that you were starring on on Comedy Central and now has a series of specials. Can I show a, a clip from the president? Go show? for it. So this is a clip Yay. of someone you all may recognize. What a great rally. We're here in Pennsylvania, home of steel. And we love steel. We love steel, don't we, folks? And we love aluminum and the aluminum foil. We use it to wrap up the leftovers. And we love the leftovers. And we're going to put the foil in the microwave. They say you can't do that, but they also said I couldn't win. I'm the human equivalent of putting aluminum foil in the microwave. So many sparks. So many sparks. 
We had, in the Christmas special, we had an Amy Mann song that finished the Christmas special, which was It's Not Going to Stop. We had the great B.B. Newworth who sang uh, part of it, and John Gemberling. And, and I personally think, and I, I think you could watch my face and see how comfortable I am with watching myself perform. And I will say that I detach from that for that moment because I thought it was a powerful, good piece of television that got everyone's feeling about the relentlessness of what this is, you know, that we're in. And the, and it's the relentless. Chaos. You know, chaos is all around all the time. Chaos exists all the time. So the notion that we are afraid of chaos kind of doesn't make sense to me. Chaos can be the best gift in the world. I think what it is is it's the uncertainty of such an unqualified idiot being in such a powerful position. And I think it's new to Americans. And I think the thing is that America is getting a taste of what the rest of the world has gone through for centuries upon millennia. And so it's sort of like, uh, in the movement, in, in, um, and I am certainly not going to go down the road to speak into this, but I will say this in sense of what I've been told, which is that I think sometimes in like the feminist movement, there is an argument that women of color are often left out of that conversation. I have no idea. Okay, yeah. I'm so, so glad but, I have a white male explaining No, no, me. I know, but I'm not <laughs> explaining it. I'm not explaining it. I'm just trying to make the link that I think the U.S. government I think the citizens of this country are sort of waking up to the idea that there's a lot of other people who have been suffering this thing for a long time, and now we're suddenly like, this is crazy! And it's like, yeah, it's been going on for a long time around the world. We're not the first people to experience this. That's the only way I'm mapping that. And again, put your thumbs down, put your phone away, I didn't say anything fucked up, and I didn't mansplain to anybody. I did not. Because if citing things is that, then what are we going to do? How no, do we ever talk I, about it? I think everything you're saying is, yeah. it makes sense, except okay. for the, the chaos part, because the fact is, is that it is our, we were a democracy, we are a democracy, and it is the first time to have, in, a, in, in our lifetimes, meaning uh-huh. more in mine, to have a, a president who absolutely has so much chaos going on within the cabinet. He is a, I'm not saying he's not chaotic, and, I, and obviously, like, the cabinet position this time is totally reversed where everybody who's came in was a stabilizing factor and now all the wackadoos are coming in. And usually it's the reverse. The wackadoos start the administration and the stabilizing forces enter, enter the cabinet positions as you move along. So you tend to have more diehard thinkers in the beginning of a cabinet. And then it sort of becomes more watered down as you go. Trump has been sort of I think, got his first, probably because he was too lazy. They probably just were like, take this, take this, take that. And he's like, whatever, I don't care. So that became his cabinet. And now he's like waking up to his power a little bit. And he's starting to shuffle people out. But it's such a hard thing because he doesn't like confrontation, but he does like the show of confrontation. So he'll fire people when it benefits him. Not He's never making a decision for the good of the country. The country's basically been running itself for a year. Um, and I would argue that, I mean, we are a republic with representative democracy, but um, I think the big message of my show and I think sitting here is like, you're right, it, it's a specific chaos with Trump. But I think that there's this thing where we're pouring everything into him, which is fine. But I, my biggest fear is that we pull this thorn out of our paw and I think especially younger people go, we solved it. 
Absolutely. We fixed it. And the problem is, is that 45, I mean, just since Nixon as being a watermark, which is arbitrary, you're talking 45 years marching towards this. Trump is not Even something longer. that surprises people. It should be something that was totally expected. Trump should be, Trump is a result of us. And whether you like it or not, that's the truth. We are all, you get the president you deserve. And, and, and we got the president we deserve because we stayed shelled in a bubble. We didn't believe it was possible. We have an intractable difference with part of this country that we do not want to deal with or resolve. And that's the result. That's what happens. If, you, if, if everyone keeps moving in their corners, eventually some sweaty, bloviating, <laughs> pissing pig enters the room and sits in the chair and then we call him the president. Speaking of bloviating men, um, you and Alec Baldwin have had a feud and I thought um, it would be, I wanted to hear from your perspective, you had gone in and and auditioned for SNL and I was just curious because you're not the only person who imitates Trump and Alec Baldwin is not the only person who imitates Trump. Daryl Hartman did it first. And Daryl Daryl Hammond, and I was curious as to what that's like to to have this sort of. I mean, on Twitter after a Kimmel special, you had a little bit of a Twitter war with him, and I, I've never had a Twitter war, so I was curious. Well, like. I actually don't. What's interesting is I didn't really have the war as much as my comedy partner sort of jumped in. I see. Okay, but uh, I, you know, listen. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know. If you've known Alec in your life, it's not surprising. And at the same time, I, I worked with him for a long time, and he was a sweetheart, and then he was a menace. He was like your Irish uncle that you're afraid of once he's had a few, although he doesn't drink. This is drink. on 30 Rock. Yeah, so on 30 Rock, he was a kind guy. I mean, I was a small cog. I don't think there's any real feud. I think that I did an audition, and uh, when he got the part, People, uh, you know, called me and asked me about it and asked me about my audition. And I, I said from the beginning that I, I think that the notion that anyone predicated a character on, on what I did. I mean, if he's doing my audition tape, he's doing a piss poor job. Let's put it that way. So, like, if he stole from me, then he's doing a terrible job. So, uh, I, don't think he's, I don't think he stole from me. But he basically was... I will say this, that I think in this industry, especially as someone who, who has maybe gotten some sort of ability to create later on in it, yeah. that I am astonished by someone who's had a library of incredible successes and is incredibly enjoyable. I watched the finale of 30 Rock like a few weeks ago for shits and giggles because I had been writing with Jane Burkowski and was like, oh, I'm going to watch that. And his breakdown when he's crying and she's like, Daddy, don't cry, is hilarious. Alec is really funny and talented. But, you know, I don't like when someone has that much money and power and they're on a talk show talking shit about somebody who's like scrapping it on a live tour. And I don't think that was necessary to do, yeah. you know, because uh, who am I, you know? Unless I can find a smaller, less popular Trump impersonator <laughs> that I can punch down on, and then the cycle will be complete. But I think it's a crazy thing, and, and you know, uh, I love him. He's wonderful. 
I wanted to ask you something that I didn't get a chance to ask you before the show. Yeah. Could we donate to AS4, which is an organization that helps pro-choice and really advocates for women's rights and abortion rights? And I can explain that all to all the women here after the show. <laughs> so it's not just me? Okay, good. But we were wondering if we could auction off your you doing Trump as a voice. Sure. To the highest like for bidder. For voicemail or something? Yeah. Or, yeah, yeah. Go for so it. So if there's anyone who would like to have Trump on their answering machine... Whatever money you You're give will go to AS4. <laughs> let's see. Let's see. Let's no, I'm see. I'm joking. It's like, who wants <laughs> Trump on their answering machine? Can <laughs> we start the bidding at uh, $25? $25. Right, 20, I see $25. $25. $25. $25. $25. Yeah. Uh, starting the, going up to $40. we are going to $40. That's a $40 in the back. You, you can get any in person. Can, you do Shatner. Uh, uh, you do we're going from $40. <laughs> now we're going to $50. Now <laughs> I mean, we're going to $50. I can figure out. $50. We got $50 over here. We're going to $50 over here. We're going to $60. Voicemail for Trump. We got $60. We got $60. We got $60. Not Mel Blank. We got Don't. Don't. Again, maybe we got few 60, of you know we got 60, we got 50 over here. Can, can anyone beat the man with 50? We got 60. $75. $75. Nice. Uh, can we nice. take it to 100? 100, ladies and gentlemen. Come $100. on, it's for $100. a worthy cause. It's for AS4. $100. One, $100. We got $100. We're taking this. Going once, going twice. Going to the so Jewish to couple in the front row. Goodness, the fine lady up here. Total Jews. <laughs> we'll set that up after the show. Okay. I just wanted to thank you so much. You do your character with empathy, and I got you this book. They can't kill us until they kill us. Ooh, that's um, beautiful. As well as stuff from Russ and Daughters. And in case you ever meet Trump, beautiful. some I heard your feelings conversation cards. <laughs> I'm in therapy. That will work. <laughs> this is also the illustration that Ella did of you. Oh, you made put my online. nose look so much better. Thank you so. I want to thank everyone at Largo in Los Angeles, and I really want to give a special shout-out to Leanne, who has been my producer for years, as well as my formidable band, Chris Shockwave Sullivan, Andrew Jelly D. Bancroft, and we were so thrilled to have Jordan Katz back on the show, as well as Phil Cronengold. And I want to thank Abrams Art Center, as well as Faith Smith, Daniel Schrader, Jessamine Molly, and of course, my sponsor, Russ and Daughters. Thank you so much to Russ and Daughters, and thanks to all of you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes, leave a good rating. It's like signing my yearbook, but it actually, I think, might even help us uh, stay alive, maybe even afford health insurance, because you never know if that's going to go away with this president. You know what isn't going away? Employee of the Month. I'll talk to you soon. I'm Katie Lazarus. Thanks so much. the show y'all everybody back up it's time for the employee of the month wrap up they're gonna come out and they'll hold their plaques up it's time for the employee of the month wrap up charming them never harming them it's fred armison glad you had those accents in your basement trunk you talked into our hearts and you're still a punk but don't call him lazy he makes amazing thing daily and yes maybe he's crazy or actually just a baby guest number four is on to it it's the resident president anthony adamo todd hominick we didn't have pierogies wish we did or putting pops to our favorite cosby kids he has the claps he loves to boast the son of love boats isaac and a victorian ghost yeah you said that sparks never behaved your human tinfoil in the microwave so Please hold your plaques up. That's everybody's employee of the month wrap up.